pretty good, right? They come out with some good ones usually every year. But now, of course, uh, just in case you didn't quite catch what was happening here, the parents of a high school graduate take their son outside blindfolded, give him a gift for his graduation. Now, we could tell it was a mini refrigerator there, but his attention turns to this yellow Chevy sports car sitting in the street behind it. Uh, the graduate thinks his parents got him the car as a gift for graduation, and he gets quite excited about it, as you can tell, until the person who owns the car gets in it and drives away. And this is about the best part of the commercial. Hey, he stole my car. What's funny is, uh, don't we treat what is ultimately the Lord's as though it belongs to us kind of the same way? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, Psalm 24. But yet, we tend to act the same way as this graduate. We tend to spend our lives acquiring treasures on earth, but one day we're going to have them all taken away from us, aren't we? Kind of like that graduate. Hey, that was mine. That was mine. Let's face it. We're a people that like to acquire stuff. We are, statistically. We've even built an economy on buying and selling stuff, right? We're born and bred to be drawn to treasures on earth. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about that this morning. In one year, Americans spend on average 10.7, not million, not billion, but trillion. 10.7 trillion dollars shopping. 10.7 trillion dollars shopping. That's an unfathomable amount of money. And out of that $10.7 trillion spent in just one year of purchase, purchases, it broke down something like this. The buying of groceries totaled about $478 billion on average. And I suppose as someone with a family five, I don't find that too surprising. That's probably about right. But out of that total dollar amount, and out of the bigger pie, uh, $17 billion came to video games. Would you believe that? People are spending uh, $17 billion on video games. Romance novel sales totaled $10 billion. <laughs> Some of you are saying I'm not surprised at that either. $500 million spent on golf balls. Here's one that might impress you. Dollar store purchases, statistically, Americans spent $30 billion in purchases at the dollar store. And if you've ever loaded up on groceries and other things recently from the corner dollar store, that number probably won't surprise you a bit. They ought to call them $100 stores. But apart from food purchases, if you just do the math, we spend a lot of time and money collecting treasures on earth. We spend a lot. Now, maybe you don't accumulate video games or golf balls. Maybe you like to buy real estate, cars, furniture, motorbikes. The list can go on and on and on of stuff. And as Americans, we're blessed to live in a nation in which many of us have the means to own things. There's nothing unbiblical with us owning things. But according to Jesus, there is a problem with things owning you, right? With things owning you. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. That's going to be our text for today. had a very interesting question come out of this scripture, and I thought it'd be good for us to spend some time talking about it. Jesus says this to us. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. 
But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's stop there for just a moment. The question this morning, if you haven't noticed, we're extending our UPIC series uh, through February. The question is this, how do I gain treasures in heaven? We seem to know how to gain treasures on earth. That's pretty easy. How do I gain treasures in heaven? It's an excellent question. To counter, Jesus is asking us the following question. Where do you invest what you've been given on earth? Where do you invest? That is, do you work to gain treasures here? Or do you work towards something eternal? I've got to be honest about something. I know all about collecting stuff. I, I'm pretty good at it. Uh, when I was four years old, I may have mentioned this before, when I was four years old, someone gave me my very first vinyl record, The Muppet Silly Songs. And I'm here to tell you, it set me on a course for life in more ways than one. But I'm gonna, I'll stop there. But you won't be able to stop there now. But I'm a record guy, right? So I know all about condition and price and outer protection and display cabinets and dehumidifiers and solid build oak furniture because this stuff's important. This is all important with stuff, with other stuff. And I know all about deterioration and I'm even somewhat familiar with thievery. You know, the concerns Jesus tells us we will have if we are people who lay up for ourselves treasures on earth. And though we can't judge a materialist's heart, we know Jesus makes it clear where a materialist's heart remains, right here on earth with all our stuff. Verse 21. Verse 21, this is what Jesus tells us. I found a colorful illustration um, which asked the following. I wanted to share this with you. Have you ever met Mr. and Mrs. Thing? Mr. and Mrs. Thing have their security not on heaven high, but on things below. And you can tell by the way they're never satisfied with the things they have. In the morning, Mr. and Mrs. Thing rise from a large, luxurious, and very expensive thing in the middle of a room. This California king-sized thing is surrounded by a large number of other things. Things to sit on, and things to sit at, and things to open, and things to watch. Mr. and Mrs. Thing enter another room in the house filled with more things. Things to sit around, things to cook on, things to eat from, things to eat on, all shiny and new. This continues. On the way out, Mr. and Mrs. Thing pass another room in their house. This room is filled with more things. Things to clean with and things to wash, all the things in the rest of the house. But the largest room in the Thing house is the room in which the Thing couple is filled up with the things they actually use. Things to amuse, things to give pleasure, things to watch, things to play. There's a smaller room on the way out of the thing house filled with more things. Things for the long hot summers, things for the short cold winters. It contains things for the garden and things for the lounge and things for the kitchen, things for the bedroom. And these were things that just wouldn't fit in any of those other rooms. So, so there are other buildings outside the thing house full of things which Mr. and Mrs. Thing never use, some of which the things don't even remember owning. Things on four wheels, things on two wheels. Things to put on top of the four wheels. Things to put behind the four wheels. Things to add to the interior of the thing on four wheels. 
And there go Mr. and Mrs. Thing smiling and pleased with themselves because once more they're leaving this big mess of things, thinking about all the things they still want to cram inside of it today while waiting for the big male thing to come and be filled up with even more things for the house tomorrow. You know, Mr. and Mrs. Thing know full well about their house full of things that, uh, to quote George Carlin, this house is just a place to put these things so they can go out and get what? More things. This is not Dr. Seuss. I guess it sounded like it could have been, but it sounds kind of um, funny when we put treasures on earth like that, but this scenario sadly describes a lot of people in this world, describes a lot of us. And if Mr. and Mrs. Thing sound like you, if you can relate to this couple this morning, according to Jesus, you may take a look at where you keep your heart. Because not only can we waste a lot of precious time and money in this world, but we can be in grave danger of being more dedicated to this world than we are to the next one. It's not that having things is wrong. It's not that we shouldn't have some of the same things as Mr. and Mrs. Thing. But as Jesus warns us, we don't live our life for these things. Wealth kept anywhere on earth is temporary, here today and gone tomorrow, just like that graduate's so-called new car thing, right? We have this problem. Because of sin, we're tempted to look for happiness in anything besides the Lord, aren't we? Because of sin. And some people even capitalize on the capitalism of it. Today we even have reality TV shows exploiting hoarders of things they've collected. We must be living good. We, we, we'll sit down in front of a thing and watch people collect things. And God's people are definitely not immune from being worldly in this way. You know, at the time of Jesus, uh, and we've talked about those self-righteous Pharisees, uh, one commentator notes these professional holy men were greedy, they were avaricious, they were covetous, manipulative, their hearts moved toward grasping things. The hypocrisy of their religion so often was such that at the end of the day, they have, may have been Jewish leaders and teachers of God's law, but so many of them appeared to only be in it for themselves. They used their positions of religious influence for the purpose of lining what? Their own pockets. And so Jesus is saying to his followers in this text, don't be like these guys. Don't let your lives be about things you own but let your lives be for the one who ultimately owns all things. You see the difference? And, and this is the same Jesus, keep in mind. He went into the Jewish temple with a whip and he drove out the money changers who were, among other forms of extortion, charging excessive interest in John 2.15. We can be assured that his uh, attitude on religious hypocrisy and personal gain hasn't changed today. Sometimes I wonder if Satan doesn't specifically target the so-called professional religious people with materialism. You know, today we have, we have preachers, they're on TV, they're from other pulpits. They seem to be more caught up in treasures on earth than in heaven. Uh, they might talk about treasures on earth as though they were a sign of one's faithfulness to God. God favors you, you have things. They'll even teach their congregations that wealth and health equals quality of faith. Meanwhile, Jesus says in Matthew 19, 24, what? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because the more things we have, 
the more likely our hearts are with those things, not with God. That's the danger. We're not really made for those things on earth. And even secular sources will admit this. In 2014, the American Psychological Association posted their findings that even short-term materialism has proven to make us unhappy. Knox College psychologist Tim Kasser says, uh, the more highly people endorse materialistic values, the more they also experience unpleasant emotions. Depression, anxiety, the more they report physical health problems, stomach aches, headaches, the less they experience pleasant emotions and feel satisfied with their lives. This is secular. This is the world. But I guess since the things in this life are fleeting, guess what? So are our feelings about those things. And if you don't believe me, just think back. Remember your childhood stamp, arrowhead, or ball card collection. These things mean so much to us at the time. So let's, let's fix the problem. Let's get things on track. Let's get to answering this question at hand. Instead of acquiring treasures on earth, how do I acquire treasures in heaven? And the short answer is invest what God's given you where? In heaven. Invest what God's given you on earth, someplace permanent. If the Christian's goal is serving Jesus to eternity, every little thing he's given us now has to become his for eternity. Amen? There's a credit card TV jingle maybe some of you remember from a couple years ago. What's in your wallet? Do, 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 do. We might adjust that slightly to what are you doing with what's in your wallet? What are you doing with it? If we look at the early church, we see what they did with their wallets or, or whatever, uh, donkey pouches. I'm not sure what they called them. Turn with me, turn with me to Acts 2.44. The Bible says this regarding the early church and what they did with stuff down here. Acts 2.44 says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 45, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That was them. That's our example. First century church. How about us? 21st century. We've got a lot more at hand. We have a lot more resources at hand. How are we doing? Are we following suit? Are we generous with what's in our wallets? Are you a giver as you've been given, as the need presents itself? That still applies to us today. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 42, and whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, he will by no means lose his reward. Those are incredible words because generosity is the mark of Jesus' followers. Generosity, not hoarding, not keeping, but giving. And we're never too young, we're never too poor, we're, our faith is never too weak to start giving. Consider the giving of Germaine Bell, a six-year-old who was saving up his money, working hard and doing so for a trip to Disney World on his birthday. And then last year, Germaine's plans were changed when Hurricane Dorian forced people to leave their homes. Deciding he wanted to do something to help, Germaine drew up his $500 savings. 
and enlisted his grandmother to help him run a few errands. Instead of a Disney vacation, little Mr. Bell bought hot dogs, chips, and bottled water for those who were evacuating their homes, who were forced away. He then made homemade signs and stood with them along the sides of the highway to draw attention to those who needed help, those who were evacuating. Bell explained, the people that are traveling to go to places, I wanted them to have some food to eat so that they can enjoy the ride to the place that they're going to stay at. Be generous and live to give. Well, guess what? News of this six-year-old, as it often does, news with the big heart uh, of the six-year-old with the big heart spread quickly, as things do in the age of social media. And eventually, the officials at Disney heard, found out what Jermaine had done with his birthday money. They decided to surprise Jermaine at his mother's home in Jacksonville with a special Disney Simba toy, and guess what also? A set of VI passes, VIP passes, so that he and several members of his family could enjoy a vacation at Disney World anyway. That's quite a story. Now, just think. Jermaine Bell had every right. He could have thought only for the present, for getting to Disney World. There was no harm, no sin in that. But the generosity he showed was laying up treasure like treasure in heaven. Just consider the impact his gift made on others. Because it stood out, right? It ran counter to the earthly ways. He'd earned that money, it was his to spend. By golly. But instead, Jermaine Bell took what God had given him on earth, invested it selflessly, reaped the reward. If a seven-year-old can do it, why can't an adult? Why can't we all give? Here's the thing. Storing up treasures uh, in heaven isn't limited to just what's in our wallets or piggy banks, as the case may be. Uh, it does include the other resources we've been given. It's no small decision to return your gift. Return your gift as teacher or elder or deacon or prayer warrior or praise team vocalist for kingdom use. I, I might harp on this a lot, but this is actually gaining you treasures in heaven. 1 Corinthians 12. Whatever God has allowed you, things or talents, give them back to him. Give them back. The Bible says you will be blessed by your faithfulness and generosity on earth among the saints, Hebrews 6.10. And what's more, uh, Scripture even talks about different degrees of heavenly reward for the saints. It's interesting, we're told about various crowns, for example, in 2 Timothy 4.8. Jack Cottrell writes in uh, the parable of the nobleman and, and his stewards. One steward is rewarded by being given authority over 10 cities. Another by being given authority over five cities in Luke 19. In eternity, 1 Corinthians 3.12, the quality of each man's work in this life will what? Be tested with fire. And the Bible says the works of some people will be equated with gold, silver, and jewels, which will pass the test and result in rewards. This is incredible. This is incredible, the things you do today, what it can mean for eternity. And we're not exactly told how all of these heavenly rewards will be assigned, how we're going to experience them. We'll find out. But I think we can tell from the text that being a Christian isn't just about going to heaven. It never was. Also, how will the Lord consider our preparation for eternity right now, today? What are we doing with what 
we have. There's a whole lot of per people uh, in this world, they see the glitz, they see the glamour of worldly treasure. They think it's all here for them. Business Insider reports that self-made millionaire Steve Siebold interviewed 1,200 of the world's wealthiest people have the most money regarding their personal philosophies on wealth and gain. And while the Bible says, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil, Siebel determined uh, the money-driven often believe, quote, poverty is the root of all evil. Hmm, interesting. He goes on, the world class knows that while having money doesn't guarantee happiness, it does make your life easier and more enjoyable. Now, while the Bible speaks of selfishness as a, as a vice, Steve Siebel determined the money-driven often believe, quote, selfishness is a virtue. Those that have go out there and try to make themselves happy. They don't try to pretend to save the world, unquote. So do you see the difference in values? So often, not with everyone. There are, there are examples of the opposite. But overall, do you see the difference in values for the ones who are driven to possess what we see around us? And this is why it's so important. Let's continue in the text. This explains it. It, it helps illustrate what Jesus goes on to say here. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. He goes on to say verse 23. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So what Jesus is saying here, what he goes on to say is this, my followers, be sure that no matter what kind of earthly material treasure you possess, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the, the amount. No matter what you're blessed with, be sure you continue to see the heavenly treasure ahead is far more precious, far more precious. If we claim to be extending God's kingdom, yet we're far more interested in just building our own, what we see in this life is literally what we're going to get. Eternity is a long time. And so beyond the bank book, if we're more interested in any of these things, in uh, what we can gain, in our technology or, or our nationalism or our freedom or our health or tradition or tension or even family and personal safety, then we are the cross. Even the smallest portion we have of any of these things now doesn't reflect the light of the Lord, reflects the prince of darkness. Those are hard words. Do you realize that how we see what is on earth makes all the difference in the long run? One preacher tells the story of Samuel Hearn, who organized an expedition to the Arctic Ocean up the Coppermine River in Canada. Is anyone familiar with that area? This took place during the 18th century, this uh, little journey. And just a few days after their expedition started, a group of Indians stole most of the traveler's supplies. How did Samuel Hearn respond? Well, he followed it up in his journal the next day by saying, the weight of our baggage being so much lighter, our next day's journey was more swift and pleasant. Preacher continues, Samuel Hearn's vision was clear now. He was able to reach the Arctic Ocean by losing some of his stuff. What's our vision in this life? Where are we going with what we have? Are we cloudy? 
Are we seeing that we're here to glorify God? To see more people come to Jesus? Or are we just accumulating these things that can only weigh us down into present darkness? Vision casters, Jesus is asking us these things in verse 22. See, gaining uh, treasures in heaven maybe isn't as difficult for us as giving up treasures on earth. But like that rich young ruler that Jesus confronts in Matthew 19, 16, you and I and every one of us must decide that if we want to gain what's eternal, we've got to give up to God what's temporary. We've got to give it up to God. We've got to. There's a saying I heard several years ago I kind of like, junk is stuff we throw away and stuff is junk we keep. Would you agree? If you're an avid Goodwill shopper, maybe you can agree with that statement. You know, you can walk in, hey, didn't I give that to Goodwill? Um, (laughs) But for those of us who love to buy, 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 you know, we've got a storage shed or two, Certainly an American thing to run out of so much room on your own property that you have to pay for other plots of land to put stuff there, too. Let's ask, when will we have enough stuff? When will we have enough of God's resources that we're keeping? I've asked myself this question about stuff. Maybe there's some of you that that might ask yourself that question about stuff. Singer David Bowie once said, and there's never going to be enough, you can fill in the blank there. There's never going to be enough. Once again, the world is right. There's never going to be enough stuff for us because the stuff was never ours in the first place. We'll never get our fill of stuff. Having more of it won't change a thing. In 2015, the Guinness Book of World Records recognized the, the biggest collection of its kind to be one man's collection of Star Wars memorabilia. Anybody here a big enough fan of Star Wars that they'd care about Star Wars memorabilia? Okay, nobody. All right, good. I can, I can uh, uh, insult this person. No. <laughs> Whew, safe with that one. One individual, believe it or not, owns an estimated 300,000 Star Wars-related items. Lightsabers to life-size Darth Vader cutouts. But value is really in the eye of the beholder when it comes to the stuff of this world. For some people, this is quite a treasure of stuff. For others, it's just a bunch of junk. And either way, for someone down the line somewhere, it's going to be an awful mess to try to get auctioned off, right? Matthew 6.24, Jesus says, and this is perhaps the most difficult part for our ears to hear. What does he say? Let's finish our text. No one can serve two masters. For either, what? He will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Man. This word we translated serve in the, in the original language, it literally means to be a slave to. Literally means. Matthew 6.24 rendered in modern language might be no man can be a slave to two owners. And when we gain treasures in heaven, we show who has mastered us. We can continue to serve King Junk or King Jesus. It's one or the other. There can be only one. One preacher tells the story of Burger King's marketing campaign upon opening a restaurant in the country of Belgium. 
It was just a few years ago. They did this by launching an online publicity campaign that asked the question, who's the king? Their ad used a cartoon drawing of, of, of I'm not sure if it's, if it's pronounced Philip or Philippe. Uh, I'll say Philippe. King Philippe, the actual Belgian king. They put him right beside the fictional Burger King character. And the catchphrase was, two kings, one single crown, who shall reign? As you could probably guess, the Belgian royal family was not happy. For some reason, they weren't, uh, you know, uh, too flattered by this side-by-side uh, -side comparison. Spokesman for the family said, this is for commercial purposes, and we did not give our authorization. But there does seem to be one point the royal family agreed on. There can only be one king. And that's what Jesus is saying to us in regards to our treasure. What do we do with it? Wherever we have it, there will we be too. One author writes, suppose you buy shares of GM. It's possible you're going to develop an interest in GM. It's quite likely you're going to begin to check their financial page. If you see a magazine article about GM, you're, you're probably going to read every word, right? Weeks earlier, you wouldn't have cared less. Now instead, suppose you begin sending money to plant churches in India, and an earthquake then hits India. Instead, you're probably likely to start watching the news and start praying fervently for India. You see the difference. Do you want to gain treasures in heaven? What are you doing with what God has given you on earth? In this world, we, we, we briefly roam. May our hearts long only for our eternal home. For this reason, we have a Lord and Savior who gave everything up for you and me. Everything. All of it. The Bible says he became nothing. Question is, what can we still give up for Jesus? What can we still give up for him? What on earth can you still gain for Jesus Christ? Would you pray with me? <clears throat> oh, Lord. We're so blessed. We're so blessed as, as your people. We're so blessed as Michiganders. We're so blessed as Americans. Lord, I thank you and, and I praise you that you've, you've put us in a, in a time and a place and you've allowed us so much, so many blessings. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for so many things that, Lord, we tend to just take for granted. Lord, I pray that we would be convicted every day of how temporary everything is and how only those things that have been given up for the kingdom of Christ are going to matter long after we're gone. Lord, I just 
I ask for courage. Courage and strength that each one of us take everything that we've been given and really, really weigh it carefully. What can we give up? What can we do differently that will matter for eternity, that will be a blessing to someone else? Lord, we know this, this, this isn't just about money. This is about talents. This is about how we spend our time. Who can we influence? Who can we share your word with? Who can we give up? Something, a piece of our lives or a closet full of, of things we don't use anymore? An hour a day to get on the phone and share your love with someone? How can we be more generous? God, we, we thank you so much for what's been given up for us. Lord, it's a gift that we can never repay. But we can be faithful. We can be those living sacrifices as your, your word calls us to be. May we reach for heaven. May we desire that, that one day we, we'll stand before you. And As we sang earlier, we can only imagine what that day will be like. But oh God, I pray that our goal would be to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Fill us with a passion for the lost. Help us to desire that everyone around us would find their joy in you. Holy are you, God. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. Help us to make those around us the treasure that you see us to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, this morning we're going to sing an uh, invitation song, an old song I think most of us remember. And it really speaks those words to us. It really reminds us of what's important in the here and forever. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. There's so much truth in this song. There's so much truth in these words. We're not here for a long time. We are here for God's kingdom while we're here. Would you stand and let's sing these words. And if you have a public decision to make today, if you haven't yet given yourself up to God, gone down into the waters of baptism, come up a new creation, come up a new thing in him, we invite you to do so. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Let's sing this song.